Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Well, good Friday morning. I'm Paul, filling in one more time for Carmen as she's on vacation. This is Mornings with Carmen. Carmen will be back in on Monday as we're getting ready for the weekend. Oh, boy. Final weekend of August. Next weekend, Labor Day weekend. Where has this summer gone. Of course, still feeling pretty summer-like in a good chunk of central the central U.S. still under some heat advisories. Now, the upper Midwest, things are letting up, and we are very happy about that. But, yeah, hopefully by the weekend, most of this heat dome stuff will be out of here and some good weather coming in. Maybe you're looking forward to the fall colors and, and such. Uh, I am and I'm not. Not, not just quite yet. Hey, our Growing our, Your Faith verse of the day is Proverbs 23, 17 and 18. Maybe just heard it on our stations just a few moments ago. It's, do not envy sinners, but always continue to fear the Lord. You will be rewarded for this. Your hope will not be disappointed. Now, it's interesting. I was filling in for Carmen back on Monday, the 24th of July, and that was the verse, our Growing Your Faith verse that day. And I think it's good we talk about it again, because the reality is, You need to revisit and revisit and revisit God's Word, including one of the things I've been doing the last few years is instead of just reading and then passing passing through, I'll read and reread and reread a a book of the Bible and just kind of do that for months or whatever. This year, I'm just rereading and rereading and rereading the Psalms, which has been wonderful. Now, back to this book of Proverbs. Now, remember, book of Proverbs offers a lot of bits of wisdom about living wise, skillful lives, lives of integrity, that is, integrated lives, starting with the fear of the Lord, which is, after all, the beginning of wisdom and knowledge, according to Proverbs 1.7. We follow God's ways and his designs. We, If we do that, we'll prosper in life. So will our families and our communities prosper. But then, okay, sometimes you see this happening. You see those who flaunt the wisdom of Proverbs, the wisdom of God. They flaunt the, the calling of the Bible. A tyrant lives out in, opulent, in an opulent palace while his people live in poverty. Some businesses poison water supplies with toxic chemicals. The community that, that depends on that water supply they're left out. And then, yeah, the businessmen might be able to pay off some government officials and doesn't have to clean up the mess. We've heard stories about that. Some famous or very rich person gets lots of money, does a, who has a lot of money, that is, does a crime and gets off because he has the ability to pay for expensive lawyers. Someone is betrayed. Someone who betrays you, even, you know... <laughs> You are following God's ways, and somebody betrays you, and you're the one end up. You're the one end up who's. You're the one ending up struggling, right? You'd like to prosper. You'd like to see all the good stuff happen to you, right? Why are these people getting off? For that matter, does the way of wisdom work or not? Is God keeping His promises? Maybe you felt in the, you've been in those situations. 
okay, there are many things that could be said, as, as I said back in July. One is that, remember, the book of Proverbs is a book of principles, not promises. And yes, while that's true, that truth can sound hollow and very unsatisfying when you're envious of these people who are thriving while ignoring God and his ways and you're struggling. Okay, then this verse, yes, Proverbs is a book of principles, but this one does come across as a promise, doesn't it? I mean, let's read it again. Don't envy sinners, but always trust, or I rather always continue to fear the Lord, and you will be rewarded for this. Your hope will not be disappointed. That can add to the frustration of the moment. But remember that. You are seeing things in this moment. Not in all of life. Not in all of eternity. God is not done. A good companion to this, as I said, I've been reading, going through the book of Proverbs, or rather, uh, Psalms during the year, rereading and rereading. When I looked at that proverb, it took me to Psalm 73. Here, Asaph was tempted on giving up on revering God, because Asaph was struggling. Here's some of the things he said. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Jumping to verse 13. All in vain I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. Actually, I wonder as I reread that if that was more of an exasperated question. All in vain have I kept my hands clean and my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence? I can can see the pain he's feeling there. Verse 16. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a worrisome task. Again, he's feeling overcome. Until, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. I love how he goes into self-reflection here. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and arrogant. I was like a beast towards you. He was talking to God here. It's like, okay, as, as I'm overcome by my anguish and my, my feelings of, you know, being, you know, so much injustice toward them, toward him, he became beastly toward God and others until, again, he went to the sanctuary of the Lord. Let's jump to 23 in that uh, Psalm, of Psalm 73. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Again, Asaph was almost overwhelmed by envy. Almost, almost. Then he saw, God will take care of this. If not in my lifetime, then when his kingdom comes, I can rest in him. Even when the world seems out of control and where evil seems to rule, when the news cycle, or as I like to call it, the news cyclone keeps bringing you one bad news story after another, we need to look to something higher. We need to get God's into God's presence. Otherwise, we will become, well, like what we see, brutish, beast-like. 
It's not enough to just resist becoming brutish. We need to step back, get into God's temple, get into his presence. So you want to know how the sausage is made. I'm Paul, filling in for Carmen on Mornings with Carmen. That's kind of the line I I give people when they ask, well, how do you help Carmen put the show together every day? Because I'm the producer, and I say, do you really want to know how the sausage is made? Because it can be kind of interesting how things come about. Because, again, we're trying to apply the mind of Christ to the matters of the day, which means, yeah, we, we have to look at what's happening. But then, again, we have to step back and get that bigger view, and that's something that... Well, it's something that Dan Bennett is uh, bringing to Faith Radio. Recently, just added on the weekends, if you listen like Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. Central Time, you can listen to The Equipped with Than Bennett, who joins me right now. Than, thanks for getting up early. Of course, I heard you're busy on your hobby farm anyway. Yeah, I have the advantage of being an hour ahead of you, Paul. So this is it true. Is, uh, it is a, a great pleasure to be with you. There's just... Uh, no better way to start a day than reflecting on the goodness of God. And I just, I thank you for that opening too. living by the principles of God, but trusting in the timing of those promises. Mm-hmm. It's just a, uh, a beautiful reminder. Thank you for that. Yeah. Not being, not being overcome by the stress and anguish and the ah of the world is so important. Now I got to admit, you know, as, as, we're introducing you to our Mornings with Carmen listeners. Uh, Susie Larson, you've, you've been on her show. You've guest hosted on her show a few times as well. So Susie Larson listeners may already know you, but for those who um, have been listening more to Mornings with Carmen in the morning as you're getting up, Dan Bennett might be a new name. So I want you to introduce yourself because, you know, as I talk about the sausage being made and stuff, I mean, how God made you at, for this point was a bit of a sausage grind, I, I, I would from what you described. So I want you to share briefly about your background. How did you get to now? Yeah, sure. Susie's my buddy and her listeners have heard this story a few times, but I, honestly, Paul, sausage making is probably a good way to describe it. I I spent 22 years immersed in Capitol Hill, working in the Capitol, working in uh, the U.S. House of Representatives. And then the last 16 of those years was spent Uh, leading the Washington office, the legislative office, the government affairs office of the American Center for Law and Justice. And I would I would just tell you, Paul, it was uh, it was a wonderful privilege. It it afforded me a lot of experience, experience in the halls of Congress and even the White House, the United Nations General Assembly, and then some of the international chambers as well. And it was um, in hindsight, I really believe it was God's preparation. Mainly, there were certainly primary tasks that were uh, a part of God's plan and, and things that He asked me to set His hands to, but uh, my hands to. But I really think it was mostly preparation for what He's called our family to in this next phase. And, and just to briefly describe that. Uh, two things, really. Uh, number one, our family's heart began to be drawn deeper into the world of foster care and adoption. Over, oh, over the last three years, we have had 11 infants through our home, uh, providing care for them on their way to adoption. But then, Paul, number two, this is really right in line with what you've already been talking about on the show. Uh, my heart really just began to break over the way in which we as Jesus followers from all political persuasions, all backgrounds, all ideologies, the way in which we were engaging with the world of public policy. And I just, Paul, I sensed that our faith was being viewed through a political lens rather mm-hmm. than the other way around, right? Yeah. And I just believe so very strongly that God's precious word showed us 
a better way. And so to pull all those strings together at the end of last year, I stepped away primarily to call, uh, to follow God's call into two main endeavors, one in each of those service areas that I talked about and uh, be happy to describe either one of those for you as we go along. But it has been life-changing, Paul, to watch him begin to move in both of those areas. But I would say this, it has been life-changing to watch him move first in my heart and draw my heart closer to alignment with his plan uh, for it in both of these areas. Okay, let's talk about those two service areas as we, uh, after we get back from a break here, because I want to hear about what, how God has been leading you in this area. And, and, and then we're also going to talk about your newsletter as well as the Equip podcast and show and how you put it together. Because there's a certain, I don't want to call it a formula, but you have a way of doing it the way you started and end it to, again, keep people's eyes focused on their, in the right place. So, again, we're talking with Than Bennett, who is uh, heard weekends here on Faith Radio Now, his show and the podcast called The Equip. By the way, you can listen to the previous podcast by going to MyFaithRadio.com or, or actually on, you know, a lot of the other podcast platforms. But, again, you can find it at MyFaithRadio.com. More with Than as we continue here on Faith Radio. So glad you are listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Bill Arnold. I would love for you to check out my podcast in the afternoons. It's called Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Spent the entire marketing budget coming up with that name. But we do scripture engagement and have lots of fun. Make sure you can check it out at MyFaithRadio.com. Well, again, this is Mornings with Carmen. I'm the producer, Paul, filling in for Carmen this week. She'll be back on Monday. Okay, I will let you in on a little bit of the sausage that comes in as I help create the show with Carmen that you hear every weekday morning where I I get a lot of pitches, basically publicists sending me stuff. And, you know, some of it I I do want to go on because it's really good stuff, but some of it I know is just people who are trying to push buttons, and if you get them on the air, they have their set things they're going to say because they're just trying to push buttons. They're, they're, they're trying to create a lot of heat and a little light. And what Carmen and I want to do is help bring the light of God into the various situations. Again, helping us apply the mind of Christ to the matters of the day. And that's something similar to what Than is doing on the weekends now with his his uh, program called The Equipped, which you can hear on Faith Radio. Than Bennett is joining me now. And Than, as we're talking about where God led you when you were working for a major policy organization and then moving you out of that, and he was moving you into two different areas. And I want you to talk about that right now. Yeah, sure, Paul. At first, maybe I'll mention uh, what we call a fearless life. It's a nonprofit that we've started, but let me give you a little bit of background. Yeah. Over the over the last 11 years, our families had the privilege of caring for 11 newborns. We, we discharged them from the hospital when a birth mother has made a plan for adoption, and then we care for them for mm-hmm. a month or two until they get placed in a forever family. And Paul, it has given us proximity to uh, a world that the Bible clearly uh, mandates and invites us in to serve, and that is the uh, the world of orphan care. And uh, Paul, there are uh, more than 400,000 foster children in America, but about 120,000 of them uh, have had all rights to their biological family revoked. And so for them, there is really two paths forward. Either they find an adoptive family or they age out of the foster system at some point and become some form of homeless. And so 
God has asked us to, tr- to step into the void and try to build a structure where we can invite families to step forward and provide a forever home for these children and then invite those in the rest of uh, the Jesus community to support those families. And so uh, we've done so. I'll just just give you a quick praise report, Paul. This okay. week, yes, please. Uh, our, our organization, A Fearless Life, was able to fully fund our second, third, and fourth adoptive families. And so wow. four children, four families uh, forever changed as a result of this work. And it's just it's something we're excited to invite people into. You know— <laughs> Just the thought came to me because, um, you know, oftentimes you get caught up in these large policy groups or whatever, and they don't think small like that. Um, And oftentimes you kind of get this idea. It's like when a bunch of fish get washed up onto the the shore and there's a guy who sees them flipping and he starts – flinging one after the other back in the water to save them. And somebody might yell from the shore, hey, you're not doing enough. Look at all the other fish. What you're doing doesn't really matter. And the person just grabs another fish and flings it in. Mattered for that one. Flings another. Mattered for that. You're taking care of one by one. Because these kids are made in God's image, you're, you're – I, I don't know. I just I, – I, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing because you're, you're caring for people, real well, people. I could, yeah. Could I add one thought to yeah. that, Paul? You know, the, the, the thing that God has asked us to do is the thing that he has put in our hands. And it usually is sized with our uh, life, sized with our capacity, right? The, the overwhelming numbers that I just gave, that's likely not yours or mine to solve. But the, the one child that he's placed in our path, that very well may be what he has asked us to do. And I just think that collectively, arm in arm together as Jesus followers engage in this space, we're going to look back decades from now, and there is no longer going to be a waiting list of children for families. Paul, there is going to be a waiting list of Jesus followers and families who are ready and waiting for a child in need. That that waiting list is going to flip on its head, and it's going to happen just like you said. It's going to happen one faithful Jesus follower after another, stepping forward to serve in this area. Okay, again, we're talking with Ann Bennett, the host of The Equipped, which you can hear weekends here on Faith Radio, plus the podcast at MyFaithRadio.com. All right, so this foster care adoption ministry that you're doing is one. What was the other area God was moving you into? Yeah, the second one is the one that I've really had an opportunity to uh, interface with Faith Radio a lot. You know, Faith Radio has been family for a long time now. You mentioned that I've been a part, a contributor to Susie Larson's show for a number of years. But, you know, as, I, as God began to call me to step into this new area of helping Jesus followers interface with the world around them in, in a gospel-centric way, Paul, he drew me to 2 Timothy 3, and this is a chapter that opens really dark. It opens, it says, but mark this, there will be terrible times Mm. in the last days. And, you know, I I think a lot of us think that that probably describes our current days, right? Possibly. Yeah, but, but if you fast forward to the last verse of that chapter, what does it say? You go from terrible times to Paul promising Timothy that the servant of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so I just began to ask God, you know, how does that happen? How do we go from terrible times to being thoroughly equipped 
for every good work. And that's what my heart longed for, for Jesus followers. And so long story short, it led me to start every good work, which helps Jesus followers in a number of ways. But the flagship way, Paul, is what is called the equipped. And we, we gather around a weekly newsletter and then also the weekly broadcast that airs Saturday afternoons on faith radio. And just very simply, I mean, there's a little bit more to it than this, but very simply, we look at current events, but Paul, we don't do it just to consume them. Right. We do it in order to try to cultivate our life of service, and we do it by starting with truth, then looking at some current events and how we can serve in them, and then we always close with a reflection on something that is beautiful in the world so that as we go back out into the world, that's the posture we carry with us. Okay. Now, I want you to back up. We have like a minute here. I want you to you talk about starting with the truth, and you, I've listened to the podcast, and I've read the newsletter, and it's basically— Something that uh, you think applies to what, what's coming up here, but you're, you're looking at God's Word. You're looking at the truth before you get involved in looking at the other stuff. Because sometimes we flip it around, and I, I love that format. I don't know if you have anything more to add, but I just salute you on that part. Yeah, it's truth with a capital T, Paul. Right. Uh, there, there can be uh, various forms of what we would call truth, lowercase t, but this is truth, capital T, God's word. We stand on God's word, and I've got to tell you, uh, um, I won't belabor this point, but I will tell you, it changes the way you look at news stories because you're forced to set your own biases aside and say, what does God's word say about how I am supposed to engage not only this issue, but also those who are impacted by it and my neighbors, right. some of which I'll agree with, some of which I won't. Mm -hmm. And then you end with the beautiful. Why? Uh, the beautiful, because it is a reminder to posture ourselves reflective of the beauty that God has created through his recreation. And, Paul, it softens my heart as I go back out into the world, and I know I'm going to be confronted with things that then uh, actually are counter to God's truth. And if I'm postured in the beauty, if I'm operating out of the beauty of his creation, I know that I will be better and more effectively able to communicate that truth that we started on. And by the way, salute to your wife, Brooke, right, who— does a lot of the photos that you've used. She's got an eye for photography. <laughs> She's good. Yeah, we're in a season where we're, we're looking through the lens of her camera to reflect the beautiful. We do different things in the beautiful, but right now we're looking through the lens of her camera. And uh, yeah, I'm married up, Paul, so that's, yeah. a, that's a blessing. <laughs> well, if you haven't, by the way, if you haven't seen the pictures of the James Webb photos of the, the uh, Ring Nebula, you got to get that on there. Those I are amazing. I'm making a note right now. There I have seen it, but that's a great idea. There you go. Hey, Than, thank you for joining us this morning again. Join Than every weekend here on Faith Radio with the uh, the Equipped. Again, Saturday afternoons at 4 Central, if you're listening on your Faith Radio station. Otherwise, find the podcast at MyFaithRadio.com. Than, uh, Than, thanks again for joining us. God bless you, Paul. Thanks for having me. You too. This is Faith Radio. Okay, maybe you're getting into this whole AI art thing, because there's some pretty cool pictures and other stuff that's come out. Hey, I'm Paul, and, well, according to one U.S. district judge, well, since it doesn't technically have human authorship, and that's part of the bedrock requirement for copyright law, you can't copyright AI-generated art. Oh, we spend so much time, our internet has, you know, being on the internet and our technology has changed so much and changed us in so many ways as well. Hey, let me ask you a question. What are the top websites you go to most often? What, what are the ones you use most? 
Tell you what, let me know right now on the text line, 877-933-2484, because we're going to talk to Chris Martin in just a bit, and he's one of our regular guests. He is the uh, he hosts the True uh, Terms of Service social blog. He also is a content market editor for Moody Publishing and just a really good guy we've talked to for many years here at Faith Radio, looking at the top web- websites on the Internet and what they tell us about ourselves. It's coming up next here on Faith Radio. You know, the stuff we create and make both individually and collectively says a lot about us. I'm Paul. This is Mornings with Carmen. Carmen will be back in on Monday. Of course, then what we create, especially some of our technology, then turns around and helps recreate us. That's why I asked the question, what are the top websites you visit? And we're asking you to text that in at 877-933-2484. Um, what those are, there's actually been a study recently, or at least a report, about the top 10 websites about used on the Internet. And they say a lot about us, and that's why we wanted to talk about uh, this with Chris. Chris Martin, again, one of our regular guests here on Mornings with Carmen from the Terms of Service blog. Chris, thanks again for taking some time out on a Friday morning to talk with us. Yeah, of course. Glad to be here. Okay, so you shared this on your Terms of Service blog about these top 10 websites, and Okay, go through the top 10. A few of them I knew nothing about, actually. Yeah, sure. So here's the top 10. Of course, you could you could pull data from 100 different sources for this kind of thing. And depending on how you filter it, you know, do you include certain kinds of websites or not? You know, True. there's all kinds of variables. But when I was poking around uh, looking at a few different lists, this list that I, I ended up using for the newsletter is kind of the most common or the most uh, had, had the most similar of all the other lists that I was looking at. So let me run through them very quickly. First, uh, Google. Second, YouTube. Third, Facebook. Fourth, Instagram. Fifth, Twitter. Sixth, Baidu.com. Seven. I never heard of Baidu. Yeah, that would be, I think it is a Chinese-based search engine. I might be wrong. Okay. Um, But yeah. Uh, Wikipedia.org is number seven. Yahoo.com is number eight, which is funny to me that it's still so high. Uh, (laughs) Yandex.ru. Uh, which would be a Russian, the Russian version of Google, like the Russian search engine. And uh, WhatsApp.com is number 10, a chat app most commonly used throughout all of the world except the United States, though certainly plenty of people in the United States surely use it. Uh, it's most common in, in Europe and Asia and that sort of thing. So uh, of that list, we have the following. We have four social media platforms, four search engines, one crowdsourced encyclopedia, in Wiki- in Wikipedia, and then one media site slash former search engine in Yahoo. Who who really knows what Yahoo is these days, <laughs> other than a place to do fantasy football and I don't know do. I'm sure some people probably still have it as like their homepage or something, but well, it's still it's it's so funny to me. It is a it does a decent job of news aggregation. So sure, you know, they're, sure, they're, yeah, they're, that makes sense. Okay, there is that as well. Now, okay, you have been one of our social media gurus for many years. And so as you look at this, what surprises you and what doesn't? Yeah. So I was, I was, as I wrote in the newsletter, I was surprised that I was surprised at how dominant social media was. You know, I've written on social media for a long time and I've spoken with you all on social media for a long time. I was kind of surprised that social media took up four of the top, uh, of the top 10. And 
And if you want to put YouTube in there, uh, because, you know, depending on how you view it, YouTube really could be viewed as a social media platform or a search engine. It could be five out of the top 10. Yeah. Um, and, and I was a little surprised that I was surprised. And the reason I was surprised is because the Internet has literally billions of websites. I mean, there are so many things out there um, that, you know, I, I understand because I've written about this at length that for a lot of people, Facebook is the Internet. Like I under, or mm-hmm. just even social media is the internet, but I was a little surprised that that social media was so dominant. I wasn't as surprised that search engines were so dominant because search engines really are the doorway to the internet for a lot of people, mm-hmm. and so the fact that that they kind of made up most of the other half, uh, it was not super surprising to me. But that social media was so dominant kind of took me by surprise, and I think what we should kind of you know take away from the list is that the internet really is social media in one sense. Like even search engines are kind of a version of social media. If you think about it a certain way, we input our questions into a text box and a website serves up countless answers to our questions, answers that are made mostly by other people and posted to websites on the internet. And even Wikipedia is sort of social media. Like anybody can sign up to be an editor on Wikipedia and we are engaging with other people as we create and edit and consume content on on Wikipedia. And, but what I thought was really interesting is the things that are missing, you know, on the top 10 list, there's no Amazon on the top 10 list. That freaked there's me no out. Ne- yeah. There's, I would have expected Amazon in a place like Yahoo, frankly, uh, there's no Netflix or other, zero streaming services are on the top 10. There's no eBay, which back, you know, if this list was made in the year 2000, eBay would probably be in the top 10. Um, so I think it's really interesting also to think about not only what does this tell us about the most common ways the internet is, internet is used, but also what's missing from the list? Like what isn't on this list that maybe we would expect to be? Um, and so I think as we think about the internet and as we think about social media, um, I've always thought they're not quite one and the same, but but kind of close. And I think we should all kind of think that way that um, a lot of times when we talk about the internet, what we're really talking about is social media and vice versa. Okay. I got to admit, though, when it comes to, for example, the search engines, the reason probably Amazon isn't there is if I want to go to Amazon, all I have to do is type what I'm searching for in Google. And <laughs> usually the first link is going to be Amazon. Yeah, there is that, that there is that issue. But again, you, you point out, though, this whole social media aspect, which, again, as we as we look at the world right now, th- this hunger for connection is so huge. Yeah. Yeah, we 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 go on the internet to connect with other people more than we go on the internet to shop, more than we go on the internet to watch TV shows. Uh we go on the internet to connect with other people. And I think like that means a lot. And I think it it shows at the core what the inter- like I I think at its core the internet is a social tool. It's a research tool. It's it's all kinds of things. But I think when we look at these and, and, you know, if we came back a year from now and looked at the top 10 list again, I imagine it wouldn't change a whole lot. And I think a lot of that is due to the fact that the core of the Internet is social media. And and at our core, what we want to do is we want to connect with other people. Now, obviously, there's all kinds of conversations to be had about whether or not the Internet is the best place to be connecting with other people. And I've spilled a lot of virtual ink over those considerations. But I do think that regardless of whether or not it's the right or best way to connect with other people, it's happening. And it's happening at a scale that we're never going to stop. So we might just want to learn uh, how to best live among these technologies and how they're shaping us. As you're talking about that, I'm, I'm thinking back now, this past Friday, 
my family buried my brother Tom. Um, he died of a heart attack or something like that. And as we're getting together, you know, all the stuff and making sure people know about his passing, he he left in a you know he he told one of my nieces, I want you to make sure you contact Yusuf. Yusuf, who's Yusuf? Oh, he's a friend of mine from Facebook. Yusuf lived. And he came. I had a chance to spend time with Yusuf, you know, picking him up for the airport and driving him back afterwards. And just a really interesting guy. Yusuf lives in Orlando. while my my brother lives near the Twin Cities or lived near the Twin Cities. It's just all of a sudden there's this connection and, and they connected a very deep level, even though they never, ever met face to face because people are hungry for that connection. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I've heard a handful of stories like that over the years. And I think that can it is very real. We we can make very real connections with people on the internet. And I, I would say, you know, that, that connection your brother had is is an I would say probably a little bit of an exception to the rule. However, I think that um, as we consider how we make have real connections with people on the internet, we should ask ourselves how they differ, whether they whether or not they should differ from the kinds of connections we have with people in our everyday lives, and what relationship do the connections we make with people on the internet have to the connections we make with people offline and in our more embodied worlds? Um, you know, how much time do we invest in online relationships versus offline relationships? And these are all considerations that I think you know for a long time. Christians especially kind of said, well, this is just a fad. I think it's going to go away. Let's not really deal with it. And I think if, if this list of top websites uh, tell us anything, it's that this stuff isn't going away. And we should probably learn how to kind of live among it uh, for good or for ill, how to, how to best live among these technologies and these platforms so that we can maintain the richness of embodied relationships while you know making allowances for or, or adapting to uh, primarily online relationships. And I think that's where we want to go next in our conversation. Um, so let's look at that, how we can, as churches and as individuals, best use the internet, social media and such. Because, yeah, as uh, we're going to reflect on an article of, of a friend of yours, social media is a spiritual dis- distortion zone. How do we make it less distorted? So we're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. Mornings with Carmen here on Faith Radio. Chris Martin, my guest this, at this time. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Okay, so people are on the internet. That's just the reality. They're on social media. Again, reality. How are we engaging with them there well, both individually and also corporately as the church? That's what we want to talk about next with Chris Martin from the Terms of Service blog. And Chris, we're both reflecting on something. I'm kind of, it's kind of cool that uh, Ian Harbour, who wrote this article for the Gospel Coalition, refers to you (laughs) in the article. So obviously you've had a little bit of influence out there. Oops, you're there. I'll... 
There we are. One who, uh, hey, hey there, how's it going? Go um, yeah. Ian's, uh, Ian's a good friend of mine, actually related to our kind of previous conversation. One who, uh, a friend that I've primarily engaged with on the internet. Uh, I don't I don't even know if we've ever met in person. Uh, we've had Zoom calls and, and phone calls and that kind of thing. So a little bit more of a maybe incarnational presence than just tweeting back and forth at each other. But um, but yeah, Ian, Ian and I have engaged a lot about these issues over the years, and he's doing a lot of good work on um, kind of faith deconstruction and, and wrestling with doubt and things like that right now. Um, but in this article, yeah, on the gospel coalition called spiritual or sorry, social media is a spiritual distortion zone. Uh, he cites me and, and plenty of others who have kind of um, made the case that social media is not neutral. You know, I think, I think one of the chief misconceptions about social media among Christians in the last decade or so has been that social media is a neutral tool that can be used for good or ill. And just, it's because of our sin that it's broken. And I think, that's a fundamentally wrong view, wrong way to view social media because social media is created by broken people and therefore brokenness is really just baked <laughs> into exactly. the, uh, the algorithms and everything else. And so I don't really think we can see it as this sort of neutral force. Um, but he makes a really good point about that. And, and he goes on to explain how it's a, it really is a, a cognitive and spiritual distortion machine. It warps our views of reality and bends our will away from God. And and he he makes really good points about that. But I think it, the best part of the article is toward the end where um, he talks about four categories of Christian social media users. Yeah, I like this uh, because just, yeah, yeah, I like this because even though it is a broken world, hey, God uses broken things. He uses us, and we're broken. So exactly. If if he can use us, we can by his grace use social media as well as almost anything else to further his kingdom. And so I, I love how he describes things. So let's go through those uh, different categories for social media users, uh, Christian social media users, as you were talking about. Yeah, I think I think what he does here is he does a good job of showing like, you can simultaneously think social media is inherently broken, yet also think it can be used for good. And I think a lot of times, like, especially, you know, whether I've been on here talking about how social media is inherently broken or, or in my books, people just assume that my, my view or even the view of someone like Ian would be, well, then you should just never use it. Well, no, that doesn't necessarily follow. Uh, we can say social media is inherently broken and yet say it can still be used for some good. And so here he, yeah, he breaks these down into four categories. First, he says there's a possibility of discipleship through content creation. And I think this is really good. I think he makes a good point here. I would probably, Ian and I would probably disagree a little bit on how far you can go in doing this. I'm not sure. Um, but he just talks about it, how a number of churches are using online content creation to do discipleship. Um, and I think it's it's important to for churches or other Christian organizations to consider both how you can use online content creation through social media, through YouTube videos or Instagram reels or whatever else to do discipleship. I likewise think it's important to consider what the limits of that are. You mm -hmm. know, I think there are, there's a ceiling to that that everyone should be aware of. Uh, secondly, uh, we can replace influencers with missionaries. He said, what if instead of seeking a large platform to make a name for themselves, individual Christians made niche interest-based content for specific audiences, seeing themselves as missionaries to those people. And I think this is really good. I've seen this a lot, frankly, in, in like the video game space, I've seen a lot of really great Christian groups uh, and Christian individuals who are interested in video games. And there are a lot of, obviously, a lot of communities on the internet around specific video games mm -hmm. and video games as a, as a hobby. And I've seen a lot of Christians sort of, you know, uh, insert themselves into those communities 
as sort of missionaries to those groups because they themselves are interested in video games, but that's a group of people who are often kind of um, opposed to the gospel, or at least maybe have been burned by the church or the, the church often looks down on people who like video games. And so uh, it's, it's, I've seen it be really effective for Christians step in to step into those spaces on social media and on the internet more broadly. And I think that's kind of a good example of what he's talking about here. How, what, what if instead of building our own kingdoms, we tried to, you know, per, uh, point people to the kingdom of God through our our work on social. Right. I think that's an important thing because, you know, going small sometimes is actually a way to go big. Um, yeah. and, and finding that niche. And I mean, what what is an interest you have, an expertise where you can speak into another person's life and also bring God into the conversation is so huge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, two last categories here. Um First, uh, the third one is curating the good, the true, and the beautiful. I think this is a really great point. He talks about how it's it's really great to use social media to just curate, like post really beautiful poetry, post songs that you think really um, point to God and his glory. Um, you know, post a great picture of a bird, a hummingbird in your backyard. Just point people to things that are good and true and beautiful. It's so easy to get caught up in posting sensationalized content because that's how you get a lot of reactions and engagement. But I think if we can curate good, true, and beautiful things on through our social media presence, um, we can really point people to the goodness of God. And finally, you can resist by leaving, he says. You know, for some, the answer really is to delete your social media. That may not be for everybody, but it certainly is for some. And there's a way that we can stand out. You know, he says, this is a great quote, some Christians stand out by using social media differently than others, and some stand out by not using it at all. And that may be the answer for you or for your, you know, if you're leading social media for a church, it may be more of the right answer to just pull back and kind of abstain. I think there's a lot of, of wisdom in that. And I think all of us just need to figure out how can we best use social media to point people to uh, the good news of, of Jesus rather than point people to ourselves or whatever else we might want to point them to. Which does bring up the question. I mean, okay, everybody looks at your funny if you don't have a, you know, Facebook page or any of these things. But, and I, I love what Ian says about the goal of leaving isn't primarily negative. Instead, it's merely subtracting social media from your life to help your mental and spiritual health. You're abstaining with the goal of adding thicker embodied relationships in your community. Exactly. Yeah, it's not just a matter of uh, taking something out, but replacing it with something that's more, perhaps more constructive and richer. Um, and, and I think that's what's, I, frankly, I've been doing that like incrementally over the years. I tweet and engage on social media far less today than I did two years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's just because I'm trying to spend less time doing that and more time reading books or reading longer form articles or engaging with people face to face, rather than just kind of creating a bunch of short form ephemeral content on social media. And so I think everyone, you know, walks this road at their own pace and figures out what's, what's kind of best for them. I, I think, I don't think this is so much a black and white thing as a uh, very, shades of gray in between. But I do think, you know, there is a matter of being faithful and there are ways to be faithful on social media and ways to not be faithful on social media. And so I think there is ultimately a measure of black and white, but I think how you handle social media um, can be variable and, and that's okay. And I think everyone just has to figure out not only with themselves, but as I've advocated in much of my writing, including both of my books, this is where it's helpful to have a friend or a spouse who mm-hmm. can come alongside this path with you and, and help you know what is what is best for where you're at spiritually and, and where you're at in terms of just spiritual maturity. Or maybe again, and as Ian points out here, this is a place where the church can come alongside to those who are yeah. content creators or aggregators or stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. I think I think t- 
to the extent that you can incorporate what you're doing into the local church. I think the local church, whether corporately or just individuals in your local church coming alongside you and supporting you and, and you kind of supporting your local your local church and, and the ministries happening in your community, I think, uh, frankly, I think that's the future of social media is, is like using social media for more local engagement rather than engaging with people all across the world all the time. And so I think that to the extent that we can do that faithfully, um, I think we'll be using social media for good. I, I agree. I agree. Well, Chris, thanks again for spending time with us here on Mornings with Carmen and sharing your wisdom as uh, we try to be wise socially. Of course. Yeah. Have a great weekend. You too. This is Faith Radio. You know, we really got to be careful as we consume news. I mean, it's like we hear a news story and then another news story displaces it and we just kind of lose track. I I hope you're not losing track of the situation in Maui and in uh, Hawaii. Yeah, there's the report that the Maui government will be suing the uh, utility company for not turning off the Hawaiian Electric Company for inexcusably keeping the power lines energized during that windstorm that led to the fire. Yeah, that's the news. Don't forget what's happening on the ground. I saw this article about Pastor Kurt Malowan. He's with Calvary Chapel there in Maui, and he says, you know, they're still ministering. He's he's expecting, you know, that the thousands of people still, the thousands still missing might all be gone. He uh, reflected, you know, it's, it's, everyone's in the dark with no means of texting or phoning when the fire began. And he described hearing stories of people running for their lives and jumping in the water and the waters being very rough because of the winds and how many people got blown out to sea. They don't know. All he knows is survivors have lost friends and family and loved ones. Mothers, fathers, grandparents, children were lost in the fires and also people who live on tourism now suddenly have no income. And he wants to be that presence there reminding them, from God's word, I will never leave you or forsake you. We have a good shepherd in Jesus. He says, I believe Jesus cares for us so much. This is how I find my own peace in the situation. It's not that God doesn't care. He cares so much. He will do anything he can to get their attention. He is in the midst of there. Pray for, pray for Pastor Kurt. Pray for other churches seeking to be that faithful presence in this time of need. Think about that when tragedies happen in your your neighborhood. Are you that faithful presence? Hour number two of Mornings with Carmen on the way. Remember, you can listen to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen at myfaithradio.com. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.